We got a new building that looks incredible. I'm so grateful to our church family who invested in the Oakley community and made this building a reality. Oakley is one of our mission partners. It's in the Alphabet streets of Hillsboro. We do homework help, have a worship service. We do a family meal, and then we do grocery distribution for about 25 families a week in the community. It's incredible. And uh, one of the things I love so much about Oakley is how our church has all made an investment. For years, every connection group would come out and bring a meal one or two weeks out of the year. And that's what I want to do today. I want to ask you to come and be a part of that again. You know, last year with COVID, we had some groups who didn't feel comfortable coming out or were unable to. And uh, we really miss having connection groups come to Oakley to bring a meal. It's an opportunity for you to see the ministry that's going on. And it's an opportunity for our members at our Oakley camp campus to connect with you. So I want to ask your connection group today to talk about bringing a meal to Oakley this church year. Uh, the way that we sign up is a little bit different. I'm here at our missions wall. You need to come out here and check it out. But here at our missions wall, we have an iPad set up, and this is where you can sign up for Oakley. It's really simple, and we've got people here who can help you along in the process. But you just come over here to this iPad. There's an application you fill out real quick, hit send. What's great about this is that whatever email address you put into the iPad, It'll send you a reminder email letting you know when your week is coming up. We love Oakley. We love the investment that our church is putting there in the community. And uh, I'd ask you guys just to come be a part of this once again as we uh, are really serving a vital need in our community with the gospel, taking it to, uh, to the Alphabet Streets there in Hillsboro. So we're about to start worship. Todd and the band are about to come up. So thank you for giving me a moment. And uh, stop on by the missions wall. Son of Oakley, thank you. Good morning. Will you stand with us and let's sing together. Today is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it.
Psalm 84 says that it's better to be one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. And so we're so glad that you have come and gathered to be together as the saints here at First Baptist Church. And if you're a guest with us, we're especially glad that you're here and we would love to get to know you. One of the great ways that we can do that is through the guest registration card that's located there at the pew rack. If you could just take that white card out and fill it out for us. And then after our service, if you could just stop off at the Welcome Center, we have a small gift for you for coming and being a part of our worship service. You can just drop that card uh, there in that black box or hand it to one of our pastors. We'd love to get to know you, make a name and a face and a connection there. So, hey, Todd, we start a new church year today. Woo! 2022! No, not that kind of year, huh? No, not yet, oh, not yet. You're off a little bit, but sorry. anyway, as we begin, we want to take a moment to pray as we continue our worship service. Would you pray with me as we connect with the Lord and worship Him together? Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. And God, as we 
start a new church year. God, uh, children and youth are moving up to new classes. And uh, in a lot of ways, this is a new beginning. Some of us are reconnecting and restarting, Father. Lord, I pray today would be a day that we recommit to you this year, church year. And God, today we make a commitment to uh, being in a fellowship uh, of believers weekly and connecting, Father. God, we thank you for this time for us to, to worship. I pray you meet with us here. God, speak to us. We ask all this in Jesus' good name. Amen. Will you stand again and let's sing together. Jesus loves me. Isn't that a great, that's one of the best things I could think of to say. One of the best words of encouragement I could say to you. Jesus loves me. Let's sing it together. I was lost. I was in chains. The world had a hold on me. Heart was a stone, I was covered in shame when he came for me. I couldn't run, couldn't run from his presence. I couldn't run, couldn't run from his arms. Jesus, he loves me. He
Jesus told his disciple in Matthew 17, 20, Truly I tell you, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. mountain can't be moved they say these chains will never break they don't know you like we do there is power in your name we've heard that there is no way We've heard the tide will never change And haven't seen what we can do There is power in your name So much power in your name Move the immovable Break the
Oh, God, we have seen what you can do. We know what you're capable of. That's why we believe what you say. If you said it, then we believe it is done. You said, I believe. You said, it is done. You said, I believe. You said, it is done. Come on, sing it. it real that makes it done we're going to sing one more time oh lord we come before you this morning just believing in what you say and believe for what you do lord we know there's so many things in our life that just seem immovable 
but we know that they're not too big for you, Lord. So we turn them over to you, and we have faith like a mustard seed that you're going to make a difference, that you're going to move that mountain, that you're going to break through. Lord we, believe, Lord, we believe for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Great to worship together. I'm excited about the new year. Uh, I prayed for you who are Connection Group leaders. God bless you. You're key to what we do. We're excited. If you haven't been in a Connection Group, I hope you'll be in one today. I want to take just a moment to look ahead to Wednesday night. Our Wednesday programming begins uh, Wednesday night. We had a great summer of outdoor worship, and now this Wednesday, our Supper starts again at 5 o'clock and prayer meeting at 6 o'clock. We pray, we'll pray for you. We pray for our schools. We pray for our nation. We pray for revival. We pray for lost people. Join us in prayer meeting. Uh, Radius begins at a new time at 6 o'clock uh, for young adults. And um, then our Christian development, our Christian discipleship pathway classes begin this week. And I want to invite you, if you're brand new, I lead a group called Introductions that begins this week, four-week class that introduces you to basic Christianity and introduces you to our church. So if you're new to Christianity, you want to know what it's about, or if you're new to our church, we we'll encourage you to come. We ask all new members to take this class within a year after you join, but we also have a lot of folks who are just checking things out come. So you have, with no obligation, hey, I want to know what Christianity is about, or I want to learn about First Baptist Church in advance. Four-week class begins this Wednesday, 630. I invite you to come. Look for you there. Today, um, I'm beginning a 10-week series of sermons from Genesis 12 through 25 from the life of Abraham. God reveals himself to us many times in the Bible through his interaction with people, and there's no person in the Old Testament more important than Abraham. And so today we begin looking at his life. And the theme of this series of sermons is, God acts, how will I respond? We'll see that God acts in Abraham's life. A lot of verbs where God is acting. And then Abraham has to decide, will he respond in faith? How will he respond? And what I want you to get is that God interacts with people. He's acting in your life and in my life. And I, I want us to, as we go through Abraham's life, try to discern how is God acting in my life? What's he doing and what response is he looking for in my life? So we want to discern, discover the interaction of God in our lives through this series. We begin today in Genesis 12 with the most important passage in the life of Abraham. In fact, Genesis 12 is one of the five most important passages in the Old Testament. If you were going to pick the top five passages you need to know to know the Old Testament, you'd have to include Genesis 12. Because here is the beginning of God's work of salvation. Genesis 1 is the beginning of everything, of the universe. Genesis 3 is the beginning of our problem, sin. Genesis 12 is the beginning of the answer, salvation. Salvation begins here. It's one of the great chapters in all of the Bible. And here we see the action of God. And God talks to Abraham. Look at Genesis 12.1. The Lord said to Abram. Now let me say, first of all. 
he starts out being Abram. His name's going to get changed in chapter 17 to Abraham. I'll probably call him Abraham the whole time, okay? Because it's just hard to do that. So he's Abram now, and God's going to change his name. We'll get to that story, but uh, we, I'll probably call him Abraham. So the, the Lord said to Abram, so God talks to people. God talked to Abraham. I don't know if it was audibly. Maybe it was. God often did that in the scripture. Or I don't know if it was in, the, in his heart, an impression, a leadership. God's done that in my life. I've never heard him speak audibly, but I have heard God speak to me in the sense of a leadership, of guidance. God speaks to people. He might speak to you in some way. He calls people still as he called Abraham. There's a call in my life. I experience God calling me. He might be calling you. That's what I want you to listen for. So God, the Lord, said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I'll show you. So God, when he talks to people, he sometimes tells us to go places. And God might be telling you to go somewhere. And that's what we're going to look at today. Now, the, the last verses of chapter 11, last six verses, give us the setup here. So I want to summarize those for you. When Abram first experienced God's call, he lived in the city of Ur, U-Ur. And it was because it was excavated in the 1920s by archaeologists, the site of where we think Ur was. It's in southeastern Iraq today. And they excavated the ruins of it and learned that it was a really cosmopolitan city of 250,000 people. They had two-story houses. They had sewer systems. They had schools that taught, according to the remains, geometry, music, square roots. This was a, this was a civilization and God is calling Abram to leave this city and to be a tent dweller the rest of his life. When I was a kid, I watched a television show called Green Acres. And it was about Mr. and Mrs. Douglas who lived in New York City and were going to a farm. And he wanted to go and she didn't want to go. And he, Mr. Douglas sang in the opening song, Land spreading out so far and wide. Let's see, no, wait, that's not how it starts. So, so, Green Acres is the place to be. Farm living is the life for me. And Mrs. Douglas replied, New York is where I'd rather stay. I get allergic smelling hay. I just prefer a penthouse view. Darling, I love you, but give me Park Avenue. Now, I don't know if Abram's wife had those kind of sentences, but it's sort of like that. They are in a city. And God is saying, go, and they're going to the country and living in tents the rest of their life. It's, it's sort of like that. Uh, these last few verses of, uh, of Genesis tell us a detail that Sarah was not able to have any children. That's going to be important later on. It tells us that Abram's brother died, and he had a nephew, Lot. That's going to be important later on. And it tells us that the whole family, let's look at a map, and you can get a picture of this. It tells us that the whole family left Ur, you see in the bottom right-hand side, uh, the city of Ur, of the Chaldeans, and the whole family left and went northwestward to Haran. Uh, his brother, his father, Abraham's other extended family, um, and they stopped there. They went part of the way, but they didn't go all the way. And so now God is calling Abram to leave them and go the rest of the way on the journey. Uh, this was what's called the Fertile Crescent. This was the this is where most of our civilizations began. Think of a crescent moon turned upside down. See the shape there? You didn't go straight from, from uh, east to west because that's across Saudi Arabia, the desert. But there, 
fertile land where there's uh, water and where there's civilization. So they made their way to Haran. Let's superimpose uh, today's political boundaries. You get a little bit of an idea of the area we're talking about. So Ur is in southeastern Iraq. They went through Syria, and Haran is in the edge of Turkey. And that's where the rest of Abram's family would have stopped and stayed. But God said to Abram to leave your family and to go. And so they continued on south to the land that God would show them. Uh, Abram, his wife Sarai, and his nephew Lot. Let's go back to verse 12 then and look at it again. The, uh, verse, chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country. So he's already done that from her. From your people or your clan and your father's household. Rest of them stayed in Haran, but you go from your father's household to the land I'll show you. God calls us to leave some things behind. And, and the call of God is even more important than family, even more important than homeland. And God was also calling them out of idolatry. There's a verse in Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, that tells us that Abram's father and his extended father worshipped idols. Ur was the center of the worship of a moon god. And so probably they were worshipers of the, of the moon, sort of like astrology. And God is calling him to leave those things behind and worship the one true God. And God calls you, it's going to mean leaving some lesser things behind. And he called him out of idolatry. He called him to leave his homeland and to leave his family. And he said, go to the land I'll show you. I want you to hear something about the call of God here. In the call of God, when God calls you, go often comes before show. You see it there in that verse? He says, go to the land I'll show you. What we want is for show to come before go. God, you show me what I want to do, and then I'll decide if I'm going to do it. But go often comes before show. What I'm saying to you is God may be calling you. You don't know fully what that's going to look like. The call of God is incremental. He reveals it little by little, and he calls you into obedience, and you don't know the end result. God called me when I was 15 years old to be into ministry. I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know at 15 where I was going to wind up. didn't know if I was going to be a pastor, but I knew there was a call of God upon my life. Go comes before show. God may be calling you in some way, and oftentimes he doesn't tell you all the details of what he wants you to do. And you must go by faith. Let me show you a verse from the New Testament that states this principle another way. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it's what we call the roll call of faith. And there it tells about Old Testament people who responded in faith. And it says of Abraham, Abraham verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 8, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going. You see how go comes before show. So God, when he called him, offered some promises to Abraham. In chapters 12, verse 2 through 3, we see four promises that God makes to Abram. Number one, he says, I will make you into a great nation. Verse 2 says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Now that was sort of a problem. You're going to be a great nation, but your wife doesn't have any children, can't have children. We'll get to that problem later on. But God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. And sure enough, the nation of Israel came from this, a nation that still exists as a people today. 
and its testimony to the promises of God. Let me say, have you met any Canaanites at Walmart lately? Do you see any, do you have any Ammonites who live across the street from you? Do you see any Amalekites at the ballpark? No, those nations are gone. Nations usually come and go, but the Jewish people have endured. The nation of Israel is there. Why? God said, I'll make you a great nation, and he did. Second promise is, in verse 2 still, I'll make your name great, or some translations, famous. It's interesting when you, characterize, when you contrast this chapter with the one before. In chapter 11, the people at the Tower of Babel, they said, let's build a tower and make a name for ourselves. And God destroyed their pompous project and confused their languages. They couldn't make a name for themselves, but God says to Abram, I'll make a name for you. And here we are 4,000 years later in Manchester, Tennessee, and we're talking about this guy named Abraham. That's pretty famous, isn't it? Jews, Muslims, and Christians all look to Abraham. He's famous, just as God said that he would be. The third promise is, in verse 3, I will bless those who bless you. I'll bless those who bless you, and the opposite of it is, I'll curse whoever disdains or abuses or, or curses you. And so, God has blessed peoples and nations who have blessed his nation Israel. You can see it through biblical history. You can see it through world history. I believe part of the reason the United States and the British Empire have been blessed because of their protection of the Jewish people. And I believe one of the reasons that Nazi Germany fell was their abuse of Jewish people. God said, I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse. And the fourth promise that he makes, the end of verse 3 is, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Here's the great promise. God says to this man, I'm going to bless the world through you. You see, God loves you. God wants to bless you. This is his plan of how he set out 4,000 years ago to bless you. God is redeeming us, and he chose this man to be the nation through whom God would speak and reveal himself to the world. So he took one man, one nation, and he's going to speak to the world through this nation, and we have the Old Testament through that. Let me read you a couple of verses from Psalm 147, verses 19 through 20. He, that is God, has revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. That's a real important passage for you to consider and remember. Because you might watch on the History Channel, and they're going to tell you how, through the Mayans, where they learn about God. You're not going to learn about God through the Mayans, let me tell you. But why? Because the book says he's done this for no other nation. They do not know his law. You're going to have some Mormons come to your door, and they're going to tell you the Bible is God's revelation to the Eastern Hemisphere, but he's revealed himself in the United States through the Book of Mormon to the Western Hemisphere. You don't believe that because God says, I have revealed myself through no other nation. He didn't reveal himself through the United States. He revealed himself through the Jewish people, through the nation of Israel. He's not done that for any other people. This is his particular, unique channel of revelation. So all, these, all of us other nations have not been the container of his revelation like the Jewish people. He's blessing the world through us. 
More than that, the fulfillment of this verse is ultimately in Jesus Christ. The way that he is blessing all nations is that Abraham will be the forefather of a lineage that will lead to the Messiah who is Jesus. Let me show you the first two verses in the New Testament, okay? Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, how does the New Testament start? This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then he starts with Abraham, verse 2, and gives the lineage. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah, and so on it goes down to Jesus. This is how he's blessing the world. God wants to bless you. And you want to know how he wants to bless you? Through Jesus. He's had that plan for 4,000 years. You want to be blessed? You want your life to be richer? You want things to go better? You want to live forever in heaven? Come to Jesus. It's God's plan of how he's wanted to bless you all along. Would you receive him? Let me show you. There are two places in the, in the New Testament where the verse, the promise that we just looked at, Genesis 12, 3, is quoted. I want to show you one of them. It is in Galatians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Galatians 3, verse 7 says, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. You can be a part of this promise. You can receive the blessing. You can be, even though you may not be Jewish, probably aren't, you can be a spiritual descendant of Abraham if you'll believe in Jesus. The next verse says, verse 8, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham all nations will be blessed through you and so verse 9 says so those who are faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith so if you want to be blessed in your life God's been planning for that for 4,000 years it's through Abraham it's through Jesus and if you put your faith in Jesus the Messiah the descendant of Abraham then he'll keep his promise to you and you'll know spiritual blessing and eternal blessing and that's what he wants to do for you today so, back to our passage in Genesis 12, God had said, go. He said, you go, I'm going to do these things for you. So, verse 4, so Abram, Abram went. That's great, isn't it? God said, go, he went. That's just the way it ought to be. So, Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot, that's his nephew, went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. And he took his wife Sarai, she'll later be Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions he'd accumulated, and the people that acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. In verse 6, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. Shechem, the very center of the land, a landmark there, a great big oak tree. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land, so he doesn't own this land yet. And the Lord, verse 7, appeared to Abram. So he, first of all, he spoke to him. Now he's gone even farther, and he's appeared to him. He sees a representation, a manifestation, an appearance of God. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I'll give this land. Wouldn't happen in Abram's lifetime, as we're going to see God's a lot more patient than we are, but he's got a plan. And so he said, to your offspring, I'm going to give this land. And Abram's response was, so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. He worshipped. God had called him 
He obeyed. God appeared to him. He worshiped. You, you move to a new place. First thing you ought to do is worship. Build an altar wherever God sends you. Put roots down in worshiping him there. And it says in verse 8, from there he went toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. He doesn't own either of these cities. He doesn't have property. He pitches his tent between them. He's, a, he's something of an immigrant in the land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. He's moving from north to south, Shechem to Bethel. And from there, verse 8, he went on toward the hills, or, or, or verse uh, uh, 9, he built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. In verse 9, Abram set out and continued toward the Negev, the southern part of the land. He's made his way all through the land of Canaan. God acts. How will you respond? The first thing that we see is in the activity of God in our lives is that God calls and he calls us sometimes to go. Now, so let's try to apply that to your life and my life. How might God be calling you today? Well, first of all, most basic of all, he is calling you to come out of darkness into light, to leave idolatry behind, and to come worship the one true God. Just as he called Abram, he's calling you to himself. Have you heard his call? God through his Holy Spirit, through his word, the gospel of Jesus is calling you, saying, I want to bless you. I want to give you hope and life, and you've got to leave that idolatry behind and in faith respond to me. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God is active in our world. He's calling you, and if you've not yet responded in that way, would you respond to Jesus and put your faith in him? Three weeks from today, last week we baptized 16 at the lake who responded to that call. It's wonderful. Three weeks from now, we already have three people planning to be baptized on the 22nd. You could join them. You can come forward at the end of this service and, and share that with me or meet me at the Welcome Center and we'll plan for your baptism. God's calling you out of darkness into light to follow him. And then God is calling you perhaps to go. God still calls people to go. How might he be calling you to go? First of all, I want you to consider God might be calling you to go into Christian ministry as he did me. Would you consider that call? Is God speaking to you about giving your life to serve him in ministry? Uh, one thing you need to do, I, you need to go to finish college, go to seminary. Uh, we have six Southern Baptist seminaries. Maybe you need to, to begin to think about, is God calling me into ministry? God may be calling you to be a missionary. We as Southern Baptists support 3,600 international missionaries who have gone out from churches like this, who have heard the call of God on their lives, and have gone to another place cross-culturally to share the gospel. The goal of Southern Baptist is to add 500 more international missionaries to reach the unreached peoples of the world by 2025. Only four years from now. 500 the next four years. Maybe you're at a point where you could be one of those 500 missionaries in the next four years. Or maybe you need to move toward that track. Is God speaking to you and calling you to be a missionary? Let me show you some, th some ways that you might could uh, begin to answer that call. First of all, you know, some kids now, never heard of it. When I went to college, 
Some kids now, after high school, don't want to go to college right away, want to have a gap year. Or they don't want to go after college, don't want to go to work right away, want to have a gap year. Backpack around Europe or something. Let me offer you NT365. You can take a gap year for the kingdom of God. If you're a high school graduate or a college graduate, you can spend one year through our international mission board being paired with missionaries to reach and unreach people group. You can spend one year doing that, NT365. You can Google it, and uh, God might be calling you, and you can discern the call of God that way. I want to share with you another thing. Go two years. Net. I encourage you to begin right now to follow them. If God's stirring in your heart on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, go two years, or you can go to go two years not net. And this is if you're a college graduate, you can give two years of your life, first two years, uh, while you have some mobility perhaps, to explore the call of God and to serve Him. There are two ways to do that. In North America, there are 33 strategic cities where our North American Mission Board is trying to plant new churches, where great population centers are, and there are not many evangelical churches. So you could move to that city, be a part of that church planting team, get a job in your field. You'd still work your job for two years in that city, but they'll pair you with a team of people trying to plant a church, and you'd help them for two years. Or... Same thing, go two years internationally, you'd be a journeyman with the International Mission Board, your expenses would be paid. You don't, you don't have to raise money. And for two years, you'd serve alongside one of our international missionaries in a country to serve God for those first two years and explore his call upon your life. Would you consider, college graduates or those of you who are freshmen, sophomores, juniors, would you consider go two years? Begin to follow it. Begin to explore that in your life. Now let me say to you, we're Southern Baptists in our support of missions. I often have young people in our church who hear about other mission-sending groups, and they come and say, will you support us? And our answer is no. We'll bless you and we'll pray for you, but our investment is in these uh, 3,600 uh, missionaries and these things. So I want to encourage you to explore these because we're going to support you if you do that. We're committed to this. And if you'll get in the channels that conform to our doctrine and to, and to our um, uh, philosophy of missions, then we'll help support you in those things. So I, want, I hope you'll hear that. Please. We'll bless, there are many other ways God is doing great things. We want to support anything that God is doing in the kingdom with prayer and with blessing, but we're committed financially to support those who are going in those ways. Now I want to say to you, parents and grandparents, release your kids to follow the call of God in their lives. I know it's a sacrifice. You wanted them to be a doctor, you wanted them to be a lawyer, and doggone it, they say they want to be a preacher. And oh man, you're so disappointed. I want to tell you, why don't you release them to the call of God in their lives? And maybe your, your son or daughter is saying, I feel God calling me to go two years or, or go to be a missionary. And you're not going to see your kids as much or your grandkids as much. And that's a sacrifice that you make. Would you, what God may be speaking to you today, would you say, I want my kids to be in the center of God's will. And if God calls them to go like he did Abram and Sarai, then I will bless them and I will release them because I know that's the best of them. It'll mean some personal sacrifice for me. God said to Abram, leave your Nation, your land, your clan, and your family, would you bless those who go? 
want to say to those of you who are retired, would you consider leveraging your retirement for the kingdom of God? And God might be calling you to go. There's a thing called Mission Service Corps Volunteer. You, didn't, you don't get paid, but you're a missionary. You're a campground host, or you're building churches, or you're, you're helping in a church planning team. Would you consider God's call if he's calling you to go? You can go without going far away. God may be calling you to the JesusTent.com to, to, to volunteer at the Jesus Tent. Maybe calling you, as we heard at the beginning of the service, to, to take meals to Oakley Ministry Center. Uh, might be calling you in some other way. But let me say to this more basic than that. I'm not just talking about an organized kind of thing that you participate in. The most widespread way that God speaks to us is he just says, go to an individual. And it's not necessarily far. In Acts chapter 9, God said to Ananias, go to Straight Street to the house of Judas. I got a guy I want you to talk to there. His name is Saul. Now Saul, he said, go far away to the Gentiles. But I would say to you that the call to Ananias who just went across town was just as important as the call of Saul who went far away to the Gentiles. God just called Ananias to go across town. So I want you to be open. Is God speaking to you about crossing the street to invite somebody to church? About going down the hall at your office to say to somebody, I know you're going through a rough time and I don't want to butt into your life, but is there anything I could pray for you about right now? I'm saying to you, God interacts with you and he wants you to go somewhere. Would you be open to where he wants you to go? It may be across town like it was with Ananias or it may be far away to the Gentiles like it was Saul. But God interacts to us. And the first thing we're seeing is that God says, go. How will you respond? Would you pray with me? Oh, God, thank you that you had a plan 4,000 years ago to bless us today through this man named Abram. We're amazed at that. We want to move to the center of your will that we might know your blessing. And God, if you're calling out of idolatry and darkness, some people today, well, I know you're calling some. I pray they'll respond. I pray they'll hear you. God, if you're speaking specifically to people, young people, retired people, middle-aged people, about a call in their life, whether it's to ministry or to missions, or there's somebody like Saul that you want them to talk to, and you're trying to get their attention to be a witness and an encourager, oh, God, would we hear you today? Would we open our lives to your call and would we respond in faith? Before you raise your heads, before you open your eyes, I just want to ask you, is there anybody here who just want to say, by raising your hand, pray for me. I think God may be calling me in some way. Maybe it's to ministry, to missions. Maybe it's to a specific assignment. I'm not going to separate those. I just want to pray for you. Anybody say, I think God may be calling me. Would you raise your hand right now that I could pray for you? God bless you. Are there others? God bless you. I thank you so much. I see those hands here. Anybody in the balcony? I'll look up there for a moment. Anybody? Thank you. I can see your hand in the balcony. God bless you. Anybody else? Oh God, I just want to pray once more. Work your will in their lives, help them to go and then show them what they need to do, but right now just help them be open to you step by step I pray in Jesus name, amen 
with me. We're going to sing a song. God's speaking to you, and you want to come publicly and share with our church. They call upon his life, or you want to come present yourself for baptism, join our church. You can come right now as we sing. You can also meet me at the Welcome Center or fill out a guest card for an appointment. But right now, if you're ready, you just come as we sing. I will build my life upon you, Lord. Let's make that our prayer. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Jesus, the only. That's it. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. You are holy, Lord. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and me.
You can be seated. Great word about God calling us, and one thing he's called us to is community, and, and we uh, foster community as we worship, but also in connection groups. I want to encourage you to get involved in connection groups here in the next hour. If you don't know where to go, you can go to the Welcome Center, and we'll point you somewhere to get involved with connection group. We do connection groups to connect with God, to connect with God's word, connect with others, and to service. So even in that connection group, that may be an opportunity for you to express a calling. Uh, sometimes it's hard to just venture out there on yourself by yourself when God calls you to something. He may be calling your connection group to serve a meal at Oakley or, or be a part of uh, Serve Coffee County. And so you can do that together with people, build that confidence, see how God's working in your life as you serve him. So I want to encourage you to get involved in connection groups. We still need some help. We uh, have openings in three-year-olds and nine to 18 months in connection group leaders. So that may be another calling that God is is putting on your life to help us out with those age groups. It's important that we have that ministry to our children and those families that those kids belong to. So if you feel that call, to, you can talk to Megan or myself, and we'll get you pointed in the right direction. And then I also want to encourage you to be a part of our CDP, things that are starting up on, on uh, Wednesday night. Dr. Cox mentioned introductions. Uh, Cindy's going to be leading one on Daniel Dilemma. It's about standing firm in our faith in a, in a culture that's kind of going against what uh, Christian beliefs. Uh, further discussion, we'll be unpacking more about this message in that further discussion time, explore more about calling. And then throughout the year, we're going to have opportunities with the, the classes that we offer, things that can help you sort out how God has called you and equip you for the ministry that he has for you. So come on Wednesday nights, get involved with that, be a part of prayer meeting, all the things that we have going on. There's great stuff for kids as well so good stuff and what is there choir there's choir and so it's it's really cool because we've we've we fixed it now so you come to choir at six and we get done at 6 30 and you, you can slip right over and go to cdp classes and all sorts of other things so we we, we finally got it all i think just perfect so if you're going to come for 6 30 you might as well come for six and sing in the choir with me there you go there you go yes so come on there's the meal there's the choir, there's prayer meeting, there's all kinds of things, stuff for kids. Choir for kids will be starting in a few weeks, just kind of get families, get in the swing of school year and everything that happens after school. So check out the website, check out uh, the information we pass along in the newsletter and everything to get up to speed on all those things. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father God, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for the ways that you interact with us, that you speak to us, that you call us, God. And then you have better places for us to, to go and be and things to be involved in than we could ever dream up for ourselves, God. So help us to listen. Help us to take those steps. Help us to trust you as you show us as we just go and follow you, God. I pray that you would just be with us as we go to connection groups and all the things that are happening in the life of the church this week as we get started. I pray that your blessings would be on everyone here. Keep them safe and healthy in these crazy times, God. And uh, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for loving us, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One, two, three.
How's your wife doing? She's doing well, thanks. Good, good. How's your family? My family is exhausted today. I know I'm exhausted today, but we're doing all right. We're doing well. They're, uh, the uh, theater's putting on a chorus line in a couple of weeks. Really? Yeah. And uh, so they've been, you know, doing lots of rehearsals leading up to that. A lot of dancing, so. My wife said, uh, she directing it? Director, choreographer? My daughter's in it. And then a friend of ours, uh, Leah Stewart, she, she has moved to Colorado, 